Blog Talk Radio. Fantasy sports and politics. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live. You know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We're talking fantasy sports and politics. Deservedly so. I was waiting for my alarm to go off, and it didn't, but it's fantasy sports and politics time, and it's me, it's me, it's FSP, and I'm here to discuss some football, some baseball, and I guess take a drubbing from my co-host, JTATM Taylor. Deservedly so, but hopefully he doesn't go too, too deep, as I'm sensitive Today, hopefully he understands that. But I'm gonna bring him in right now. I'm here. What he has to say, JT, go ahead, go ahead, JT, Jerry Taylor. Hello. All righty. For whatever reason, I cannot hear uh, JT. We're going to put them back on. Can you hear me? Uh, there you go. There you go. I can hear you now. Okay. Oh, boy. You forgot how to do this already. Oh, my God. All I you got to what, say, and I, I said it one time before, before you got yourself, your act together, but I'll say it again. And this is a quote, a direct quote. I've got a lot of energy, and I'm ready to yell. <laughs> I'll be... <laughs> Well, all I can I'll say It's better late Than never Because there's been a lot of nevers lately uh, You know I'm, I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to To do Multiple things Multiple things And it's it's hard out here for me. I'm I'm thinking that you've lost interest in what you had started about ten years oh, ago. No 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 no. Never that, young man. Never that. Never that. Uh, just I was waiting on the alarm to go off today. I was telling the wife. Luckily, my wife is just now going to bed, and she asked me was I doing the show, and I said yeah. Uh, you know, I said it ain't two o'clock. He said, "Yes, it is." I said, "Oh boy." So, <laughs> yeah, you and, and and you were looking to move up, and you can't even set a clock to oh, make oh, it work. Oh, 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 really, really? Oh, you gonna do that? Hey. Now you know that is hey. wrong. Hey. That is wrong and hey. dirty. Hey, that. Now, now you're going to catch what's that, it. What's that saying? What's that saying? With more, um, um, 
comes more responsibility. I forget what the, the, the quote, but uh, with yeah, I know you're talking about. Listen, okay. the alarm so, is set. The alarm I'm is just, set. It just didn't go off. I'm about, matter of fact, I'm about to check my I'm about to check my alarm right now. Let me, let me but ask you before something. I do that, let me ask you. Something. I, I'm trying to get I, to the show. Can I get to the show? You can't get to the show. But but I, I, I it's been been a few weeks and I and I I've, I've got a lot to say just like you said I'm ready to oh, yell too. Uh, hell, <laughs> buddy, my man, my bro from another mother. Hello. Um. Have to have you used this is the first time using an alarm clock. I'll put it that way. I'll, no, I'll, I'll start. I'll start with it that way. So if you you've it used that alarm clock before. Well, yes, and it looks like I deleted this alarm. I'm just saying, have you used the alarm clock before? I'm trying to break this down lawyer style. Have you used the alarm clock before? Jerry, I'm, 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 yes, Jerry. Yes, I have. Has it worked before? Has it worked for you before? Yes, Jerry. And when was the last time you had to put that alarm clock to use? Uh, last week. L- last week? And did And did yeah. it work for you? You know what? Now you're acting like uh <laughs> so, so 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 as a responsible um non commish if you uh, set that alarm clock properly, if you checked it to make sure it was set properly instead of the P P P You know what? Are you done? Then, Are, then you it worked, done? Right? Are you quite done? Well, I'm uh, Brother, I'm just getting started, but I, I, we can start this show. I just want to show you your your the emperor has no no clothes. Your form, and the emperor has no clothes. See how exposed you are. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm exposed. Unbelievable. You know, for the last Here because I, I, I say this because you've been um, and I'm gonna say this probably say it in a nice way. You've been um. I have been sure when, when we're going to have a show or not. I'll say it that way. So I've checked with you every week, every week. Oh, here we go. Or Friday, every week, are we going to have a show? And you've responded to me, nay or yay, the day before the show, which is fine. But when you responded to me, yay, in the affirmative. Oh, Lord. Here we go. The negative, no, when I set my time, that's okay. I got a show to do, 1 o'clock, one, 1 to 2 or 1 to 2.30, whatever the length of the show is. I expect to be able to converse with my brother from another mother. And lo and behold, I get turned down and um, turned off because... He decides to say no, no show, or even even worse yet, not even not even any notice, just no show. Are you finished? So, no, I'm not finished because I, this has been building up, and I'm trying to get oh this straight. If you don't have a show, uh. respectively, if you do not have a show, give me ample time ahead of time. Well, 
I would, it would it be Hello? Oh, that's just oh, respect with a K. E, with a CK. How's that? <laughs> with a CK? Yeah. All right, Birdman. You know, Birdman's a terrible person. So, you know, I guess there's a right, no respect. Right now, I'm being a terrible person, and you have a chirp when you talk on your mic. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not on my mic. I'm on my phone. Okay. Whatever. At least you're on something. At least you're on you know something. What? I'm not going to talk to you no more. Hey, well, that's anyway. nothing new. That's nothing new. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> You're just so daggone terrible, man. How you doing, my man? What the heck happened? I thought you'd be moving up, uh, upward to onward. What happened? I Bad interview? I, oh, no, no, no. That had nothing to do with it. That had okay. definitely nothing to do with it. Okay. Um, this, uh, that, I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I cannot explain what happened there. I just know that I was really upset by it. Um, but the good news is that I have a, uh, great opportunity that's about to take place. Um, mm-hmm. so I am extremely excited about that opportunity. Um, and I'll know more about that opportunity sometime this week and next week uh, or next Saturday. I should be able to come on the show and uh, make a formal announcement. So, Mike and Zolzis for not, not uh, taking that next step. Well, you know, I mean, thank you. Thank you. It, it was more of a, uh, a uh, I guess you know people and you don't know people thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I, that's the only thing I can say because mm-hmm. of most of the people that know me and uh, know of my abilities ask what happened. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. And, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. I'm not going to cry with spilled milk anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to move on. I, at mm-hmm. least I'm not going to be playing in the in the middle of the East uh, in this upcoming year like some others will. Um, so I'm okay with it. I'll, I'll hopefully be Georgia bound. Hopefully. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's all I'm going to talk about. Yeah, I understand so, that. You, you, you did tell me that before, but I understand that. So the good, the bad, and the ugly is all that matters. And uh, what I plan to do is um, enjoy life and buy a house down south and uh, keep it moving, you know? Okay. But um, let, let's get into sports. Are you finished lambasting me? I mean, I hope you are. You know, just want to make sure. Huh? I wasn't lambasting you. I don't know about that. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, let's get into this. It what is do you want to get into the 
Well, baseball season is relevant now because mm-hmm. we're going into it. But I, I'm quite sure you, uh, excuse me, you haven't picked up a, a fantasy baseball league team. So I'm not going to talk about something you're not ready to discuss because no, uh, you're no. not baseball. No, and, I, 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 I watch it. But... Look at... Okay. I know you didn't watch any of the. I know you did not watch any of the men's final nope. four or anything like that. Nope. And I know you watched nope. the females. Yep. You didn't watch the females. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Okay. Absolutely proud of the second African American woman to win a, a, a title behind um I forget her name Carolyn I uh, forget the last name uh, who won it with uh, I think Purdue if I'm not mistaken um. She wanted uh she's she's an analyst or commentator, whatever you want to talk about on on the on um uh T V and and I think she was on ESPN, I don't know if she still is. The uh Dawn Staley. Um uh, hell mm-hmm. of a uh, college basketball coach. Um played in the WNBA for a short time. Uh hell of a uh uh coach. And now she's getting a due her due rec, rec- uh recognition. Um and did a hell of a job pushing the South Carolina Gamecock women to a national championship. Well, I only bring that up because I wanted to um, discuss the fact that the Carolinas have all the major titles right now. They have mm-hmm. uh, college basketball for women, um, mm-hmm. male college basketball, um, college football, and um you know they're they're really a very big powerhouse organization. I mean, a, a group of states right now, uh, mm-hmm. at least college-wise. You know, there's not much you can, you know, do placing Clemson, North Carolina, South mm-hmm. Carolina. You know, in there the even in baseball, college baseball, Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, NCAA. Champions, but they just had a scandal. I don't know if you're familiar with it. You probably are. I don't know. You probably solicited, but uh, yeah, yeah, come on, man. You talking about the? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, and that's interesting because if it's true, if it's true, you know that's amazing. That. Uh, they were soliciting uh, with recruiting. And, you know, that happens a lot in, in college sports, and you only see it in movies. But the story is somewhat uh, riveting. I think we got Jeff on the line. I'm going to bring Jeff on. Yeah, he's a 973 number. And uh, then I'll let you talk about the uh, Coastal Carolina uh, baseball team, and then we'll get back to some professional. So, Jeffrey, how are you doing, my man? It's not hey, Jeffrey. guys, how are we yeah. doing? Uh, not Jeffrey, you, Jeff. Yeah. I like, know Like, he's Jeff. Jerry. I, he's he's Jerry. He's not Gerald, you know. Like, you. legally. Both oh, that's our legal names. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Jeff. You get in his neck because I, he's not a stickler oh, for words than I am. And I know your name is not you Jeffrey. It's Jeff. Yeah. Um, Listen, now, Gerald, be quiet, Gerald. <laughs> okay, okay, Victoria, whatever you say. Oh, really? 
<laughs> really? Really? Now, now, okay. The, you know that was that was all in good fun. You know now there's I know th- there's like three people. There's there's three men. This is the triumvirate who call me Jeffrey. Uh, there's Vic, of course. Uh, uh, there's there's my barber who does it to bust my chops, and I don't see him that often. But my rabbi to bust my chops. So really? um, <laughs> rabbi does that but, to you. Yeah, he does, and I, I don't, I, I don't correct him because he's my rabbi, you know. Yeah. Um, I, mean, he, he, I know he's doing it to bust my chops, but the right. thing is, in certain, like, let's say, you know, if, if uh, you know, if I met somebody's, you know, grandparent or elderly parent, and they slip up and they call me Jeffrey, I might let it slide. But in certain situations, I, I will correct. Uh, because and this is the worst place in the world, doctors' offices, because I always mm-hmm. correct them because I want to make sure my paperwork is consistent, you know. Exactly. And you know, they're a bunch of uh, lazy stunads at those places, you know. I mean, <laughs> oh my god, uh, it, yeah, they really <laughs> are. Um, so, uh, but I'll tell you, um, I, I I heard what you guys are saying about yeah. The, the Carolinas, that that's uh, those are the champion states now, and it looks like the South has risen again. And oh boy. probably, even though they didn't go all the way, got a lot of publicity was uh, South Carolina, you know, making it to the uh, Elite Eight and uh, Final Four. Uh, oh right, I'm sorry, Final Four. Final that's four. right, they, right, right. They went, yeah. they went yeah. past that. They almost, they almost made it to the finals, which, mm-hmm. you know, that that was I'm pretty sure it was known as a, as a football school. Uh, and then for a while, the football wasn't even that good. And, you know, they haven't sent that many players to the NBA. The only one I could think of, and I'm not an NBA authority, was a guy I liked, actually, Ronaldo uh, uh, Balkman, um, who played for the Knicks. And I think very appropriately, he was known for his defense. And that South Carolina team went to the Final Four on the based on their defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, and this is something to look out for, and I'm, you know, I'm no college hoops authority, was uh, – when a team like South Carolina really, you know, breaks out, you know, um, there's a good chance they're going to be good next year. But it really sets up their recruiting for the future. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Yep. So oh, yeah. It does. That's a team to keep an eye on. It, you know, as long as Frank Martin stays there and they don't get busted by the NCAA, which I have no reason to think they will. I'll tell you, though, you never know because I, I think Frank Martin is kind of like a old-school Bobby Knight kind of guy, which – Kind of nowadays, you know, you're always running the risk you could have, you know, some kind of scandal, you know, because now you can't even, you know, you can't say boo to anybody, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, who knows? They 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 could be putting great uh, recruiting classes together for, uh, you know, maybe not for this year. They probably, you know, but for the year after, the year after, they could, they could be stacked. So, uh, but I'll, like uh, Rutgers had a scandal with their uh, men's basketball coach being abusive to players, and the joke was, whatever he was doing, it didn't work because they were still losing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that that's, you know, that's done. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you, though, I, in, in a state like South Carolina, they don't have any uh, major league professional teams. So uh, places like that, you know, the college sports, you know, are the biggest thing going. Um and it's weird because even though, 
you know, there are people in the New York area who like college sports, but I think, you know, because there's no real big-time college team in the New York area, you know, for hoops, there's, you know, St. John's and Seton Hall. But because there's so many, you know, there's two, at least two in every sport, major league pro teams, uh, that not percentage-wise, not as many people in the New York area get into the uh, the college. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, as a kid, I kind of took the Big East for granted. It was just within a couple of years, it became a great conference. And then a couple of years later, they sent three teams to the Final Four. And the documentary about the Big East, uh, the 30-30, was really good. And uh, it's kind of sad that they... You know, they had those humble beginnings, and they got so big, so good, so fast, and then it kind of fell apart, unfortunately. But, you know, when I was a little kid, the the Northeast, the East Coast was like a wasteland for college hoops. You know, at the time, you know, uh, the ACC was huge, especially North Carolina. And, you know, the Big Ten was big, the Pac-10 with UCLA, that was towards the end of the UCLA dynasty, but they were still a strong team. And there was very little college basketball-wise on the East Coast, but it was uh, Dave Gavitt, the, who, you know, who began as the uh, Providence head coach. He had the vision that if he could put together a conference, because it was, most, it was uh, mostly independent schools, if he could put together a conference at the East Coast schools for hoops, he could put it, you know, East Coast hoops on the map. And, and, and that really happened. But, uh, he 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 uh, was probably the most powerful man in college basketball, and then he left the Big East to be an executive with the Boston Celtics, which, I mean, that's a good job, of course, but I, I don't understand why he did that, because uh, maybe the Big East could have used his leadership to get through the 90s, but uh, whatever. That's all history, so uh, if you get a chance, watch that 30 for 30. Well, I've I'll watched it. Like this. That, that is very good, um, uh, uh, 30 for 30. Uh, very interesting, uh, very informative. Things I didn't know about uh, uh, on that. And uh, um, it, you're right; it grew up a, pretty quickly. And with the Georgetown winning the first, with well, the first team to, to win um, the uh, uh, NCAA championship out of there, um, it really blew things up uh, and put the Big East on the map as a um, basketball conference power in college basketball. Well, with that being said, let's look at several things since we're talking about college basketball. I still want to get back to the uh, the cheerleaders being accused of doing certain things uh, on the coast of Carolina um, because it's still an ongoing investigation. And Jeff was talking about recruiting and possible violations. Uh, so he touched on several things I want to talk about, so I'm going to bring them up briefly. One, I think mm-hmm. South Carolina men's basketball team was – Excellent this year, only because the ACC or the SEC Player of the Year, number zero, I don't know his name, um, he powered that team through to the Final Four. He was this year's Buddy Heald. And that kid, if he comes back, if he comes back, because he was their rebound leader, almost their scoring leader, and he was a leader for that team, uh if he comes back, they'll definitely be a contender next year for the national title. If he goes to the draft, um, he's going to go to a, a pretty decent team because he's not going to be a lottery pick. He's going to be in the bottom or middle half of of the uh, draft, in my opinion, um, of the first round. 
But to me, he was the reason why South Carolina was so good because he did. He could guard everybody on the court except the center. And he could play all positions except center because of his height. Um, so that kid was phenomenal. Uh, on to UCLA and, and the Big East and all that. Well, we're going to talk about LeVar Ball and uh, his comments that he made. We really, really want to go there with him. Uh, well, we're going to we're going to talk about him and the impact that he's having on all three of his children's possible NBA careers. Um, and we're going to talk about Patrick Ewing. Some people are saying that John Thompson, you know, has control over who gets hired and fired at Georgetown. Some people say that it's time to move away from his legacy and thought that Bobby Hurley was the guy to get, you know, picked. I'm talking about uh, Jay, um, what is Jay's last Jay Williams. Former, yeah, Jay Williams. He made a uh, personal uh, Facebook post um, saying why he thought that Bobby Hurley was uh, deserving and Patrick Ewing was not. So we're going to talk about those those things. And we're going to talk about fall a little bit. So um, Jeff brought him up, so let's knock him down. First, let's, let's get to um, this uh, uh, Patrick Ewing situation. Because I don't think it's a situation. I think it's an opportunity that if he does scouting, just like Jeff was talking about how the old uh, Providence coach figured he could put the biggies on the map by, uh, you know, bringing together the conference, Patrick Ewing has an opportunity since Georgetown is no longer in the uh, Big East, but they're in a Catholic eight or something like that. Uh he has an opportunity to bring Georgetown back to a place of dominance if he can recruit from talent in D.C. That's what John Thompson the third, I mean, yeah, the third failed to do. He failed to recruit the athletes in the DMV. Uh, pretty much, I'm gonna keep it real: the black athlete in the DMV because he wanted to run the Princeton offense, which was was not conducive to a great deal of um of uh uh players in that area. Uh now, not saying that they could not prosper in it, but Georgetown went from being a predominantly black basketball team, which is a small population of the school to pretty much what the population of the school is, mainly white and not very athletic. And I'm not trying to sound like LeVar Ball, but if you want to listen to LeVar Ball, what he said about his sons and why UCLA didn't win the championship, you can go to Georgetown and and see how his – huh? Way off base. What I'm saying is – I didn't say he wasn't, but I can see him. I can see him using that as an example. And as you know, Patrick Ewing steps in. As Patrick Ewing steps in, can he recruit? That's the ba- the basics of what Jay Williams was saying. That he doesn't Excuse think me. that Patrick Ewing is able to recruit. Go ahead. 
<laughs> well, I got to interject something. Um, you know, there was a lot of the last years of, um, you know, what was the original Big East. There was a lot of uh, movement of schools, et cetera, et cetera. But Georgetown is in the Big East because uh, they kind of had a big split. So uh, it, it's now up to 10. I think it was first it was called the Catholic Seven. Those were a bunch of the original schools that included Georgetown. They they kept the Big East name, and then the other schools uh, started the uh, American Athletic Conference. So Georgetown and nine other schools are, are – I guess this is the new Big East, but it's called the Big East. They're part of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, just just to interject that into it. Oh, okay. If, Thank you. It's ten teams and half of the original Big East, or so-called original Big East, Villanova, um, Seton Hall, Providence, uh, St. John's, and Georgetown. Those are the uh, five, I think there's five, uh, original. And Xavier? That's one of the Xavier schools. in there? That's, That's one, one of the new schools. That's one of the newest. Creighton, uh, Marquette, uh, Xavier, and DePaul are, are the five new schools that join the other five to make up the Big East. So, and 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 believe it or believe it or not, Georgetown was only five and thirteen last year. So that Princeton offense, today's player is not all about the Princeton offense. Um, whether it doesn't no. make a difference, doesn't make a difference what spectrum of the uh, uh, you are in the. Ethnic, ethnicity, um, they're not you, – you don't uh, – today's player is not um, a, a Princeton type of player. Most guys want to um, uh, uh, a fast-paced offense that, that, that moves the ball and everybody gets a chance, and, and it's a, it's a uh, fast flow of offense. Uh, defense is a different story, but it's a fast-flowing fast offense, and um, that – type of offense that they were running with um, John Thompson the third was outdated and five and 13. And I, and I'm not exactly sure what the record was over the last couple of years that he was there besides About five that. and 13 that it, it, they were behind the times and it, and, and I'm sure Patrick Ewing probably he spent uh, over a decade being an assistant coach in the NBA. So he, he knows what offense and what players uh, can relate to in playing. The key is, and just like a lot of people, including what you brought up, Vic, is can he can he sit down in somebody's living room with mom and dad, or just mom or just dad, uh, with a recruit that he's trying to um, bring on board, and convince them to come to Georgetown? Does he have those people skills and that convincing type personality that uh, draws the kid and especially the parents to want to have their kid go to play for him um, for uh, for four years or for two years or for three years, whatever amount of the kid plays for. That's the key. Can he relate to a kid sitting in the in the uh, a living room or wherever and say, this is the type of offense that we're going to run, and, and I want you to be part of it, and convince that kid and, and the parents that the kid should play there? Okay, that's that's one aspect of it, but I'm looking at, more of the DMV area. You, there are plenty, and I'm, I'm not trying to diminish what Island Iverson did, but there are plenty of Island Iversons. Victor Page should not have been able to go to Georgetown at all. I'm just going to be honest with you. But he had athletic ability, and mm-hmm. uh, he got into Georgetown, and he played. Mm-hmm. I, 
I, I don't know if it's the academic standard that uh, John Thompson III said, okay, well, you know what? Um, we're not going to be able to bend any of it. We're not going to be able to help any of these kids because their academics just aren't there, and I, the integrity of, of the school is at stake. I don't know. I, I don't know. But there are plenty of, of players in in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area that can play in the Princeton offense if you teach them and make it exciting. The thing is, there was a lack of recruiting from that area. Literally, nobody you, wanted you missed, to go to Georgetown. You're missing a point here. You're missing a point here. No, 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 no. I got your point. In, in, in I that, got your no, point. In that DMV area, those kids, the schools they go to, the top style of play, whether it's uh, in a uh, uh, school setting, in high school, or on a uh, blacktop, is fast-paced basketball. And the, when somebody approaches them, uh, even if they have a name, um, and they said, we want to run the Princeton-style offense, which is a very half-court, slow-down offense, turns, they turn that kid off. And it probably probably, probably won't, don't even get a chance to talk to the kid because he said, well, this is what they're going to run. I'm not about that. I haven't been about that. Um, and it, it, it's going to um, – Stymie might have a possibility of stymieing my, my career because when you go to the NBA, it's not that type of offense. The NBA now is, is, is a fast-paced offense. And, well, and if you're going to go to college and, and play a Princeton-style offense, what kind of chance are you going to have to take it to the next level in the NBA when you've been groomed in a Princeton-style offense? You, you you and and I, kids nowadays are looking at that. How can I get to the NBA? What program is going to be in the my, in the best uh put me in the best situation and the best position to advance to push yeah to put me into the NBA. The thing about that jury is this. Um <clears throat> and again, I do understand what you're saying and that's part of why I said the failure to recruit and the DMV is is also part of the problem. Um, I can look at a team like Duke. Duke plays a half-court offense. They play a pick-and-roll, okay? They can also run. That's the difference between a Duke team and what John Thompson III was running. John Thompson III did not run, not at all. That's part of the problem. Um, if they got a rebound, they would, as you said, they would slow it down and play methodical basketball. Um, but they didn't box out, and they didn't play big boy ball. What it takes is, and I'm be honest, had he followed the formula that his dad set up for him or for, for the school, find the big man. Find the big man. And if you're going to play small ball, I mean big boy ball, feed the big man. And the big man has to be somebody that's going to be dominant. You've got to be able to get rebounds on both sides of the ball, I mean of the court, and they've got to be able to uh, make everybody else around them better. 
Now, when Allen Iverson was there, Victor Page, and and several others, uh, they didn't have that. They just ran and played defense. But you go back to Alonzo Mourning. You go back to Patrick Ewing, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, uh, even old boy, um, I can't remember his name, Al Harrington. You know, it was about the center. And you can look at Reggie Williams and all those other cats that played for Georgetown that did well and uh, also did well in, in the NBA. It was because they had a big man. And they ran, but they also played defense. That's not what was there. The problem that I see with Patrick Ewing right now is if he's going to be the head coach and head recruiter, he has got to find somebody like him in his prime at Georgetown with an attitude and willing to change the program and put the program on that kid's shoulders. He doesn't have that right now. Well, it's going to it's going to take time. Right now. it's going to take time because um, the name has to come back, and I can understand why they picked Patrick Ewing. He's a former player uh, with a big he's a big name in, in Georgetown basketball history, um, and um, uh, uh, he's had a lot of NBA experience. No, really, nothing in college, which is probably uh, well, I would say it's, it's probably a uh, negative point on his part. But um, um, it, it's a wait and see. I, I can't instantly condemn it um, like Jay Williams did, and I think he was partial to Bobby Hurley. And I think it had to be of somebody course. that was um, of, uh, in my opinion, Georgetown um, Georgetown basketball lore uh, to come back at this time to try to bring back the, the glory of uh, Georgetown. And it's going to take a while because – now they have a reputation of being in the bottom of the Big East, um, and uh, depending on who they have sitting there and what type of recruiting um, that Patrick Ewing can get from now until um, this basketball season coming up, and then in the future, next year and beyond, uh, depends on where Georgetown is going to um, position themselves within the Big East? Are they going to be the bottom feeders, or are they going to be one of the top dogs? Well, I'll tell you like this, Guy. Um, It it shouldn't take too long if he goes out and gets the right guy um, or sets of guys. What he has right now, he can definitely use, but the mindset has to change a little bit, and that's where uh, there's been the whole well, you can go from college to the NBA, but it, there's a problem going from the NBA to college. So we'll see. Time will tell. Moving on right along, um, Jeff, did you have anything you want to briefly say about that before we move to the next topic? You know, um, um, you know, I don't even know where to begin. But I'll tell you, I'd like to see uh, Patrick Ewing be successful. I think, like many college basketball coaches, you know, because he doesn't have the college coaching experience, they need to get the right staff with him. Uh, I think to a lot of kids, you know, Patrick Ewing is just a very tall coach. You know what I mean? But uh, he, he he can't impress the parents. And I'll tell you, you know, Georgetown big men, after him, they had uh, Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo at the same time, uh, which is unreal. 
uh, uh, the that Princeton offense is nuts. And coincidentally, I think it was like in the late 80s, Princeton almost knocked Georgetown out of the tournament with that. But, you know, uh, Jerry's right. You, you, you know, you want to attract kids. The kids aren't stupid. They watch the games on ESPN. No, no matter how terrific your coach or program is, they don't want to play uh, some uh, shoot-into-an-oak-basket type of system. And, and this, uh, this, this one-and-done thing is nuts. I just saw that the, the fourth guy from Kentucky is, is, is leaving, and he's not even projected as a first-round pick. I mean, that, that's insane. But that, and that, that final game, P.U., the only good thing about the officiating was it was consistent. It was bad for both sides. But that, that was a, a, a piss-poor officiating for that. No, a little of that was off topic, but that's that's my uh, two cents on a few things. That's okay. I mean, that actually leads me to the next topic, which Jerry doesn't want to talk about, but we're going to talk about. Um, Mr. Ball, he's he's made some comments about refereeing. He's made some comments about other players on his son's team, and he's also made comments about uh, his boys and their abilities. Um, so... He's outlandish. Some say he's a little uh, uh, off his rocker. He made a comment, and and I want to bring up a a subject that a lot of people didn't talk about, but Chris Carter did on uh, Undisputed, on Fox's Undisputed. He said, um, Mr. Ball is talking about – uh, UCLA lost because there were three white guys on the, on the court and they were slow. Well, his son is half white because he's married to a white woman. All three yes. of his children are, yep. you know, half white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to make that comment is very, very asinine. And then mm-hmm. he says, well, uh, Alonzo uh, popped his hamstring or he tweaked his hamstring. Well, I don't. I didn't see any medical, you know, documentation or anything like that saying it happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but just like Chris Carter said, it sounds like he's making a ton of excuses for why his boys haven't taken their teams to the promised land. Because the middle child, who doesn't get a lot of pub, his team lost in the regional finals, um, and the youngest son, who put up like ninety something points in a game. Also lost in the regional finals. Um, each well, level. I think the youngest son is in high school, right? Uh, no, the middle son's in high school. The youngest one is like a freshman, or or he's leaving middle school or something like that. The, okay. The, okay. The bulkier one, the bulkier one that, that'll play like power forward, who isn't you know the the dynamic one, but it has very good skills. Um, is is the middle child, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is. He's, I think he's going to be a senior this year, or he was a senior this year. Now, now, I don't even know where to start. Let me put it this way. I And I can't say he's he's a taking care of his kids. He's taking care of his kids. But that's as far as I'm going to go, because I think he's a piss poor excuse for a father and a black black father at that. Um to be to be so um, 
loud and obnoxious and absolutely asinine in, in a lot of things and polarized in a lot of things he says. Um, and it seems like he's, 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 he's uh, pushing for attention, trying to get more attention, um, even though supposedly he's, he's um, trying to uh, promote his boys. I think he's more or less trying to promote himself even more. Um, and ESPN and Fox One and whoever else puts them on, it's just uh, um, enabling him to do that. Uh, and just uh, put, writing a check for all three of his kids, especially his older one, that they have to ca- cash on the court when they get out there and play. And that's just going to give more incentive to whoever plays against them to – uh, um, show 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 up as kid and and, and uh, make the kid not all that like Levar Ball says he is. It doesn't make a difference what kid it is, but because he's saying it um, and, and uh, professing it, uh, some people excuse me say he's a uh, um, um, uh, William Sisters. He's just the basketball ver- version of William Sisters. No, he's worse than that. He's 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 much worse than that. Talking all all this. Um, uh, stupid, uh, making stupid comments, um, and just putting that stuff out there, uh, and uh, just putting it kids in a really in a bad light. I, I don't like this guy. Every if I see him on TV, I turn the channel. I can't stand watch this guy because he's just making a complete ass of himself. Jeffrey. Um. I feel the same way as Jerry. And you know what one of the sad things is about this LeVar Ball character is uh, I, I don't even – we shouldn't even be discussing him. Uh, is yeah, that be, because of him, there's a lot of LeVar Ball wannabes, and it's going to encourage those kind of people, uh, and, and their kids aren't going to make it to UCLA. They're just going to make their kids miserable and make, make fools out of themselves. Uh you know, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, I didn't see LeVar Ball until the tournament. The game I saw him, I was impressed. He's, he's got really nice size for a point guard. And he, he the game I saw, he, he looked uh, pretty good. And I'm thinking, hey, if this guy could play like that with all the pressure put on by his idiot dad, he could take the pressure of playing in the NBA. But, you know, I think this um, – excuse me, I think Lonzo might be one of these 100 percenters because there was a game earlier in the year – he jammed his thumb, and then he was lousy for the rest of the game, which, you know, I don't want to say it wasn't legit, but, you know, part of being a big-time athlete is playing through, you know, playing through pain and, you know, relatively minor injuries. So uh, he might be one of those kind of guys. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, the enough about enough about that. Well, I mean, I thought it was interesting because, of the things he said and uh, how it affects his boys because uh, Shannon Sharp said something on the lines of even though the boys know their father is wrong for what they're saying, for what he's saying, they're like the old school children. You don't correct your parents or your grandparents, uh, even though they might be wrong because that's just the way it is. Um, And, the the thing about it is, the kid at Kentucky. You mentioned this, Jerry. No, Jeff said that the the kids one and done. Um, the kid at Kentucky, 
he put 39 points on ball. Mm-hmm. And that made his stock rise, and he's a one and dunner because of that, because people are saying that Ball is supposed to be number one. Now, Ball is a very exceptional player, but the problem is his dad's put a target on his back mm-hmm. uh, when he does hit What's the it? NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a UCLA product just like Westbrook, and when he gets to the NBA, he's going to have to play like Westbrook in order to prove his father right. So he's probably going to get labeled as a selfish player if he doesn't facilitate like a point guard. And if he doesn't do that, then it's going to be like, okay, well, um, I didn't pay for a taller Jason Kidd, somebody that doesn't score much but makes others better. But that might be what they need, a player that can facilitate. I don't know what team he's going to go to, but maybe that's what that team needs. Um, the kid can shoot, but he doesn't need to. I think he's like, what, six, 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 seven, something like that? Um, yes. So he's like Clay Thompson height. Um, and Clay has ability, but he doesn't have Steph Curry ability. Ball has Steph Curry ability. Um but it's interesting. It's interesting, interesting to see what um, is going to happen for him because he sets the table for his other two brothers, regardless of what the father says. Alonzo um, sets the table for his younger brothers and their success in the NBA or lack thereof because if he does not do well, no one's going to put up with uh, LeVar talking about his other two boys and bringing all that unwanted uh, attention to the organization. And, and and that can hurt the kids in the long run. That's the problem. Um, do I think he should have said what he said? No. Do I think he says a lot of things that are um, hype and, and he doesn't believe? Yes. But he's trying to sell his kids. Like uh, Shannon said, his kids are his business. He doesn't have a business. His kids are. And apparently he's a coach, an AAU coach or whatever, but not too many kids in that area are going to want to, you know, play with him or learn from him. Because basketball right now, it has nothing to do with your color. There are some uh, European kids and some Caucasian kids and some uh, Latin kids that can play just as good as an uh, African-American kid, if not better. It's all about what they're willing to do in order to get there. And uh, we'll see what happens with, with Mr. Ball and, and everyone else. But let's move on to another topic. And uh, before we get to uh, football, because football is going to be the last thing we do, um, let's talk about this uh, cheerleader scandal, Jerry. What about it? What about it? Share with, uh, share with the people. Well, it, it, the fact is that the uh, cheerleading squad is accused of prostituting. And 
Um, they Coastal were Carolina, Coastal Carolina is your leading squad. Yes. They basketball were accused. Prop, prop. No, the cheerleaders. All of them? I thought it was just the, the basketball team cheerleaders. Um, well, the cheerleaders. I'm just saying cheerleaders, okay? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it was the basketball uh, cheerleaders, if if you want to be specific. Um, and they're accused of uh, prostitution and the whole squad. I think they were supposed to do a regional competition and they were suspended before that took place all of them um it, pending further investigation now i don't know how substantiated it is i don't know if someone made an accusation and because uh, i didn't really read into this um and um to be on the safe side they um meaning the school administrator decided to suspend the whole squad or they have some substantial um, um, evidence that the the accusation is just going to be played out, even though it hasn't legally been played out, that they just decided to suspend the squad uh, and, and, and see where it goes from there. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's a precedent, a precedent for this or not, but... This is a pretty um, wild uh, scandal uh, in the making, uh, and just have to see if it's going to play out one way or the other, if it's just a few or if the whole squad or whatever. Okay. Jeff, got anything on this? You know, um, th- you know that's no laughing matter, needless to say. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, uh, in life – you know, there's a lot of shades of gray. I'll tell you, uh, this was on, I think, OTL once, uh, at least once, that a lot of these colleges, they have, you know, these uh, female booster groups. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, they're not cheerleaders. They're just called, like, they have a nickname, and they're the, quote, boosters. And they kind of get these gals to uh, show recruits, you know, uh, you know, football and basketball recruits around the campus et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, you know, it's not quite prostitution, but they're really uh, putting these gals in a bad position. It's similar, you know? So uh, they got to clean that up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That uh, I'm I'm totally against anything that even resembles that. Well, if we look at the movies and all the other good stuff, um, you see how the cheerleaders are portrayed uh, for recruiting. I can think back to uh, what's the basketball movie with uh, Omar Epps and, uh, and Sanaya Lathan. We're both loving basketball. Yeah, loving basketball uh, and several other um, uh, football movies or college football movies. How the cheerleaders are portrayed as the uh, Closers, so to speak, and uh, for recruits and all that. Um, now, th- that's not the story that's being portrayed here. The story is that some of them were doing it for the money. Some of them were doing it to uh, to uh, help recruiting and all, that, all this other stuff. Uh, but like Jeff said, you got to be careful on that because you might generally like somebody and you do, you know, sleep with them or or whatever the case may be, 
but uh, it, it's it's a dangerous and slippery slope because if you receive anything for or from someone, that could be considered prostitution. Um, uh, Coastal Carolina, not a big school. Uh, Vic, Vic, well, let me what? interject. Let me interject here because I'm I'm looking it up, and okay, I can't say it's prostitution. Okay, from what I'm seeing here is they were they uh, uh, they're under a crim- criminal investigation um, because they worked as strippers and escorts, and it specifically said cheerleaders would not engage in sexual favors, but the investigation found evidence of an escort service. Um, and, and that's one of the things that they were talking about. Plus, they were being um, offered monetary, quite naturally monetary, and, um, or gifts, uh, purses, shoes, things like that. It, basically, it's not a prostitution. It was working as strippers and escorts. Okay, well, I can tell you escorts are, and you're receiving monetary and other gifts, that's still prostitution, no matter how, what words you use. No, it's only prostitution if you're receiving sexual favors for it. If you're just going out on, on a date, um, uh, per, per se, whether it's a $100 date or a $10,000 date, it's a date. Plain and simple. It's a date. Until, okay, until something physical happens, something as physical as a kiss. Well, like I can said. Can, can, no, like I said, it was no sexual favors were it, it, would not they didn't look like they engaged in any sexual favors. Now a kiss is not a sexual favor. You got to go further okay. than a kiss to be a sexual favor. So, and, and, and there's no no there's not saying that something like that took place, but it's just saying that they engaged in. Uh, um, an escort service, and that's strippers. Okay. All right. Um, so, with that being said, I think that uh, this is something that happens a lot. I don't know how it came to the forefront um, at the school, uh, whether it was an undercover situation, whether somebody – you know, knocked them out, whether it was a former, uh, excuse me, cheerleader or a 30 for 30 story or, or whatever the case. But um, I believe you can find this at pretty much every uh, mid-major or major college, um, to be honest with you. Um, and maybe not even just mid-major college, but there are all types of men and women that will do all types of things, whether it's be an escort to a a couple events or whatever the case may be, um, you're receiving money for a service. And that's, you could say it's dating because, uh, you know, when you, when you meet your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, you take them out, you spend money on them, you give them stuff, but uh, it's not considered prostitution or an illegal activity. Because in the eyes of, of the law or the eyes of public opinion, that's someone you're trying to be with 
as opposed to just have their time for a short period of time. So I don't know. But I know it happens a lot in college, uh, all over the, the, the country, as well as the world. But uh, Coastal Carolina is in the uh, crosshairs. Um, I really don't have anything left for uh, college sports other than uh, Dawn Staley being the first uh, woman in a hundred and some odd games to defeat. No, South Carolina didn't defeat them. I'm sorry. Um, Mississippi State. State. The Mississippi State was the first team. uh, uh, Got the best of my Connecticut uh, team. Yes. Uh, In overtime by one bucket. And uh, ended Gino Army, I can't even get his name, Gino's win streak. Oriyama. Okay. Oriyama. Well, well, Oriyama. He's a. 111. 111 and 1. Okay. So uh, I, I can see you a little hurt over that, Jerry, just a little. No, you no. In fact, I'm I'm um I'm energized by it. And believe it or not, the reason why I'm energized by it is because all the naysayers, all the people that say college women's college basketball was getting boring because one team was dominated and they gave it no chance for any other team. Now it's a good and bad thing. Connecticut got got beat, but it's a good thing because Connecticut got beat. So it's, it goes to show you just because that you've been dominant for so long doesn't mean you, you go into a game and can't get beat. So it may pequeek the interest of more people to watch women's college basketball, knowing that um, that Connecticut um, ch- armor has been chinked a little bit, has been damaged a little bit. So uh, I think it's good that there's somebody other than uh, Notre Dame, Stanford, uh uh, Connecticut is at the top of the heap. That's a good thing because it 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 it, it breathes a little bit of life and more life into women's basketball. That someone that no one thought was going to happen because they Stanford was sitting there, Notre Dame was sitting there, quite naturally Connecticut was sitting there. That's big name schools that have big time programs and always in go deep in a uh, women's college basketball tournament. Um, were uh, sitting below South Carolina, and South Carolina be the number one. Jeff? Yeah, you know, it's like the – I don't think it's the end of Connecticut, but it's definitely the end of a huge streak, and it is debatable whether a school being that dominant is good uh, or bad for the sport. Um, you know, they're up there with UCLA. I wish I remember the UCLA dynasty better, but what was that, 10 championships in 12 years? It's insane. Yeah. Um and uh, um, you know, it's very it was a interesting news story. And uh, you know, the thing is, no matter how great you are, you got to go out there and and still play the game. And exactly. when you're you know the top team or whatever, everybody's gunning for you. And uh, you know, uh, my congrats to uh, the uh, uh, the Mississippi uh, was it Mississippi or Mississippi State team that uh, that ended the run. Yeah, so uh, congratulations to them because they played a a heck of a game. Yes, they did. And unfortunately, they couldn't carry it through um, 
against North Carolina. South um, Carolina. I mean, South South Carolina uh, State. No, not South Carolina State. South Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it was building up as a rematch because I believe last year South Carolina played UConn in the championship, and um, South Carolina was just getting uh, their feet wet or their teeth cut in the uh, it, as becoming a powerhouse. And now that they have won a title, and the young lady um, that plays center, she isn't that good to me. She's not a, a Lisa Leslie type player. She's good, but she she's just not tough enough, in my opinion, um, to be a dominant player in the WNBA. Um, but she has skill, and uh, she's very feminine, which is a good thing because you don't want to say, okay, well, she another Brittany, she's going to be another Brittany Griner with all the drama of being, you know, uh, open and, and gay or whatever the case may be um, because there's like 90% of the WNBA that's gay. It's not a problem with that. But the, the, the mindset is they're tough. They play hard. They want to be like dudes and all this other mess. No. That's that's not the case with every female that plays college basketball um, or professional basketball. Uh, I actually think this is going to help. I believe her last name's Allen. I don't know why I keep thinking of Allen, but I think her last name's Allen. Um, her dad uh, coaches her up and, and shows her how to play the game the way that uh, she does. She has some, some flaws, but I think her ability to um, – to do certain things in the paint, make her a, a very valuable WNBA player. When she leaves South Carolina, I believe that they have a person on the bench that's more athletic coming behind her because when she got in foul trouble during the championship game, um, she was on the bench, and uh, they brought in another young lady that was able to uh, be more athletic and move and create as opposed to just playing on the post, playing on the block. Um, but South Carolina, they, they have a good team. Miss Staley, she knows what she's doing. Will she beat Gino? I don't know. That's the one thing Gino can say. You might have won the title, but you didn't beat us to get it. You know what I mean? Um, so when they play this upcoming season, that's going to be probably the the marquee. Champion versus champion, but Gino can always say they didn't beat you. They couldn't beat you. And they didn't. South Carolina did not beat UConn all season long. No, so they did. That's the point. Look at you getting all in your feelings. You got to be there to to play in it, and he wasn't there. That's true. That's true. Well, let's move away from college and talk about professional football. Um, let's start off with the <laughs> what? Uh, for you, for you uh, NF- NFC East fans, I want to. I just, I just, this just came over about um, about an hour ago. I, I was holding on to it because I, I thought you guys get, really get a kick out of this. Um, my, uh, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, like my Dallas Cowboy, former Dallas Cowboy quarterback Tony Romo will suit up and ride the bench 
for the Mavericks' final regular season game to honor the Dallas legend on Tuesday. <laughs> I, <laughs> what's, I don't what's your care. On that? I'll ask Jeff first, and then I'll ask you, Vic. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even going there. I was going another way. I know, but I know you, were, you probably weren't aware, aware of it, but I knew it. I, I saw it, and I, I just couldn't wait. Cause it was even better because Jeff, a Giant fan, you were Skins fans, and they hear about a Dallas quarterback that never won a Super Bowl, only won two playoff games, um, is going to get honored as a Dallas legend uh, and, and suit up in a Dallas Mavericks basketball uniform and sit on a bench um, for the last regular season game. What, what's your thoughts, Jeff? You know, I mean, it's Dallas, but it's different franchise, different sport. It's a lot of honor for a guy who never came close to winning a ring. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm still scratching my head. I guess CBS was nervous that the ratings were a little down, but they're going to make him their lead commentator, you know, boom, you know, but I guess they figure they want a younger commentator because Phil Simms is in his early 60s, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Uh you, you know, I, I mean, uh, I, I don't know, but I mean, uh, I, I guess the uh, the Mavericks owner is friendly with uh, Jerry Jones, you know, and uh, hey, Mark yeah, Cuban, man. Very... Yeah, Mark Cuban. Um, since you said that, Jerry, he he knows how to sell tickets. The Mavericks aren't doing that well, even though I believe they're going to go to the playoffs. Uh, but I think they're going to be ousted after the first uh, series. But uh, you sell out your last game just because you have Tony Romo on the bench. Um, Tony Romo is not a legend, but he's been the most consistent quarterback since Troy Aikman um, for the Dallas Cowboys. In that area, he's he's legend. And he should have been traded, but nobody wanted to pay more than a fourth rounder or or a fifth rounder, I should say, for someone that's problematic and injury prone. So therefore, you know, they agreed to to you know uh, cut him and let him go. As far as what Jeff said about you know letting him be the color commentator, um, listen, that's not an easy job. It really isn't. Nope. And Tony Romo. And I have not seen nor heard of him uh, doing a podcast or anything to prep him for being a color commentator in in the NBA, I mean, or, or NFL. Um, if anything, I've seen him do some interviews that were kind of awkward because he was searching for the words to say. Phil Simms is not a good color commentator. But he's experienced at it. He's had many, many, many years of practice, and he's gotten better. To and and to make him the lead commentator with Jim Nance for CBS's uh, flagship games, as well as their Thursday night and and uh, Saturday night games, that's not a good fit, uh, in my opinion. But I might be wrong. Uh, Troy Aikman, his first year, when he was uh, doing it for Fox, he seemed very stiff. But he was working with uh, a couple people before he went to Joe Buck. He was with um, Tony Saragusa. It was Tony Saragusa, Joe Buck, and 
and uh, and Troy Aikman. The three of them did a very good job, in my opinion. Then they broke them up, and Troy went to this person and that person. Then he went back to Joe Buck. And now he's he's seasoned enough, and he knows what he's doing. So, uh, you know, uh, from what I can tell, it, it's going to be an interesting ride for Tony Romo. But since we're talking about weird football news, Olivia Munn and Aaron Rodgers have broken up. Oh boy! What do you guys think will happen? Well, some people say it's Olivia Munn that caused Tony to be have off years these past couple years. Aaron. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I meant Aaron. You're right. So. Any take on that? Jeff, go right. You, you know, I'll let you have first dibs on that. You know, uh, I, I get the impression Aaron Rodgers is very private about his personal life. But, I mean, I, I got the impression that uh, his priority is football. But when you're, you know, I mean, it makes it makes you think of Romo because earlier in his career when Tony was dating celebrities like, uh, you know, Jessica Simpson you know, even Troy Aikman, I think, was dating some famous uh, country singer. You know, people are always trying to, you know, come up with reasons and distractions. And, uh, you know, I'm not I, – I don't like to speculate too much in that stuff. Okay. Well, I just thought it was interesting. Um, real quick, let's talk about uh, free agent signings. Marshawn Lynch did visit with uh, with uh, the Raiders. And Seattle uh, did grant him permission to do so. What'd you say? That he wants to unretire. Yes. And for the last two years, or the last year in Oakland, before they head to Vegas, um, that is interesting because you pair him with Carr, Crabtree, Cooper, and an improved defense. Oakland becomes a legit uh, contender for the Super Bowl before they head to um, to Vegas. Now, Seattle's like having wholesale because they did mention that Richard Sherman is on the block, but it's unlikely that the trade will happen. Um, the Patriots are interested. And uh, AP went to the Patriots and he visited New Orleans, but said the Patriots are still in the mix. Uh, are the rich getting richer? And what's happening with Seattle? Are they purging uh, money, or are they just saying, okay, it's time to move on and get younger? Jerry? Richard, Richard Sherman was uh, number one in a few categories last year um, as, a, as a, a DB. Now, he's due 11, over $11 million in the next two years each, not just a combination of the next year at eleven million. He's he's supposed to get eleven uh four, eleven seven this year and eleven point four the next the next year, something like that. So if he gets traded, whoever takes him is going to have to carry that contract. I'm not sure if they want to be able to they they want to do that if he gets traded excuse me, if he gets traded for the simple fact and then I brought it up before and but it was from a different position that you can get very good quality um, 
projected quality DBs, cornerbacks, coming out of this draft for a lot cheaper price than you have Richard Sherman right now. Um, a substantially cheaper price. Um, I know some, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of defensive players uh, drafted in, in the um, in the in the uh, draft uh, in about two weeks, two three weeks, um, and a lot of them, uh, not a lot of them, but there's going to be a few of them that are going to be high draft picks. Uh, but nothing compared to what Richard Sherman is getting. So you you got to do your due diligence in whatever team takes him that you're going to get your money's worth. And I've said it before on a, on a recent chat that Richard Sherman, in my opinion, would not operate in a, in a lousy defense, especially a defense that has a um, suspect or a weak front seven. He's got to be on a, a defense that, that's strong in the front seven to be able to effectively play. Now, that's true with a lot of DBs, but especially Richard Sherman because he's not – too quick a foot, and he's a tall, lanky, wire, uh, tall, lanky seat, uh, cornerback. So he needs time, uh, and he needs the pressure from the front seven in order to be able to get the most out of him. He's a perfect fit in Seattle, obviously. Where else he goes, I don't know. Okay. Jeff, and then I'm going to talk about Chad Johnson going one-on-one with uh... – Antonio Brown. You know, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Seattle, obviously, they've established a winner there, and maybe they're going to try to make moves similar to what the Patriots made to uh, try to keep that going, you know, manage the salary cap, et cetera, et cetera, trying to trade guys at the end of their prime. Um, You know, it's uh, interesting. Those are two obvious uh, successful and very well-run franchises, so – you know, these guys know what they're doing, so when they do stuff, uh, you know, I take notice. Um, Marshawn Lynch going to Oakland, I mean, yeah, excellent, excellent running back. Um, you know, m- maybe with a year rest, he'll, you know, he'll be good. But uh, I'll tell you, you know, these, these running backs, they, they don't have long shelf life. I'm thinking he might be the next uh, – Maurice Jones-Drew in Oakland, because uh, it's easy to forget that uh, Jones-Drew played a very unsuccessful season back home in Oakland and didn't do a heck of a lot. I mean, I think Lynch probably has a little more left. I don't see him being an every-down back. I see him, you know, goal line and short yardage and, uh, you know, uh, help them sell a few tickets uh, for a lame duck season or two there in Oakland. I agree because they got Washington and another cat to uh, step in and, and be the change of pace. He might be one and two for a second now and come off the field and stuff like that. We'll see about that. Um, not much more I want to talk about other than um, uh, Chad Johnson recently went one-on-one with Antonio Brown, and Chad Johnson was playing DB. Now, Chad Johnson's kind of old, but he literally looked in, in the videos that he, he played Brown very well. Um, just throw it out there. And I don't know if you guys saw the videos or not, but um, in my opinion, if these videos are legit and consistent, of course they're legit because it's the players, but if they're consistent, um, could Chad Johnson come back to the NFL and play a little safety or 
or cornerback, um, especially if he's doing a good job against the supposed best receiver in football. And he called out Odell Beckham Jr., Jr., who in reply, in turn, replied with a little chuckle and said no. Um, but uh, could could that possibly happen? Any one of you guys? I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for uh, that to happen with Chad Johnson. I mean, you know, he was a little too much at times as a player, but he, he kept things interesting, and uh, he, he's a very good athlete. I mean, uh, he played soccer. Uh, he said he was a champion swimmer uh, at, in Liberty City uh, in Miami, which I don't think uh, anybody proved that he was lying. So uh, maybe he could start doing uh, – is he four? I don't know if he's 40 yet, but he could start doing uh, the decathlon or something. Uh, I mean, just because he can't play in the NFL anymore doesn't mean he can't play sports. I mean, he could be like uh, a Herschel Walker type in his 50s, you know, playing playing different sports and, uh, you know, doing a good job of it. But, I mean, I don't think there's any chance he gets back in the league. But I'll tell you, he was an excellent soccer player growing up. Uh, supposedly, he, you know, he still plays the game very well. And can you imagine if uh, – one of his football coaches let him be the kicker. Could you imagine if there was ever a wide receiver who was also a place kicker for an NFL team? That guy's fantasy value would be through the roof. Um, and I'm, one of these days, it could be 10 years, it could be 100 years, but one of these days it's going to happen. Any word, uh, Jerry, before we go? None. He's, a, he's, a, he's toast as in, in the NFL. He's toast. None. All right. Well, it's time to get out of here. Um, I've held you guys long enough. I thank you all for coming on and uh, helping me out. I appreciate you. And uh, look forward to doing this next week. Hopefully I have some some uh, big, big news that I'll be able to, uh, to share with everybody. So uh, thank you, JT. Tell the people real quick what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Uh, t- tomorrow we'll be talking about uh, sports, uh, mainly the NFL. Um, we're talking about the NBA. The NBA season is coming to a close. Um, for the most part, the, well, I would say the teams are set. Dallas is not even close to being in the playoffs. Um, so that's just a moot point for, for those who want to go see Tony Romo be a honorary Dallas Maverick uh, player. Um Talking about the uh, uh, LeBron and and, uh, um, and his championship team and what it looks like uh, going into the uh, NBA playoff season. All right. With that being said, I want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in and sticking with us. And uh, Jerry won't be able to yell at me next week because I'll be on time. <laughs> Anything we'll else? We'll see. We will see. You mean- you know what? Stop being mean to me. Stop being mean to me. I want to thank uh, Jeff for coming on as well, my guy, along with Jerry. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. We're out. Bear with me, Jeff. Fantasy, sports, and politics. You want to talk back? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got your little views, you know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if 
I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We talking fantasies, fucks, and politics. 